Hello everybody, welcome or welcome back to another episode of Love, Sex and Psych. My name is Amy Downing and I hope you are all having a great week so far. I can't believe this is the fourth episode of Love, Sex and Psych. So it's officially been a month of new podcast episodes, which is crazy. I'm enjoying recording these episodes so much and I really hope you're liking them. I honestly feel like it's quite therapeutic for me to just be talking about all of these things that I'm so passionate about and sharing my experiences with them. So I'm definitely loving it and I really hope you are too. I also literally cannot believe that it is May. We're officially five months into 2023, which is crazy. The year is going so quick. I feel like I and everyone else around me says this every single year, that time just flies, but it really does, especially when you get older. I feel like as soon as I left school, time literally has just flown by, which is crazy. But I'm having a really great time so far this year, which is amazing. Now for today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the beauty of female friendships. I'm just jumping in here to give a quick disclaimer. Although I do have a psychology degree, I'm not a registered psychologist. So please remember that any advice or recommendations I make in this podcast is not professional advice and it should not be taken in replacement to seeking professional help. If you are struggling, please reach out to your GP. Okay, back to the episode. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about how much I really value my female friendships and just how amazing they are. I feel like in this current season of my life, I'm really prioritizing my friendships and I'm really realizing just how important they are to me. My close friendships with women feel so, so special. They have this incredible nurturing, healing energy to them. And when I'm hanging around a group of women that I am really close to, I literally feel so uplifted. I feel seen, I feel supported, and I feel so happy. So for this episode, I want to explore friendships among women and why they actually are so extra special. So to do this, I'm actually going to delve into evolutionary psychology, which is a little bit different to my previous episodes, but I think it should be really interesting. I'm going to actually talk about how female friendships have formed thousands of years ago and what's happened in these early female friendships to cause today's female friendships to have such beautiful, strong, nurturing energy and really deep, deep connections. So the way I'm going to kind of lay this episode out is first we will touch briefly on some differences between male to female friendship groups and then we're going to talk about how female friendship groups formed thousands of years ago which influenced the intense healing, supportive and really uplifting nature of female friendship groups today. All the facts and information that I'm going to go through in this podcast episode is sourced from Anne Campbell's book which is called A Mind of Her Own, The Evolutionary Psychology of Women. And I only read one chapter of this book, which was the, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was the friendship chapter. But I think I want to go ahead and read some more of it because it's so interesting learning about early sort of civilizations and early communities and how that's really influenced women's behavior today, women's friendships, relationships, and that kind of thing. 
So if you're interested in that, definitely check out her book. Just going to have a quick sip of my iced matcha over here before we begin. A ah, bit of ASMR for you. That is delicious. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some differences between male to female friendship groups. Now, before I talk about the difference between male and female friendships, I just want to say that this is all generally speaking. Obviously, there is very intimate and emotional male friendship groups. That's not something that only occurs with women. But when I'm going to be comparing male to female friendship groups, this is more of a general stance and it's more stereotypical. So obviously, when we're talking about gendered stereotypes or differences among the sexes, there always is exceptions to that. This is just generally speaking. So yeah, keep that in mind. And I also want to say that I actually don't have really any male friends. So (laughs) I'm not an expert in male friendships. I've never really been close to boys. In school, I had a few guy friends, but no like real deep connections with any guys. It was just kind of like a surface level friendship that, you know, we just spoke at school. So I'm not an expert in male friendship groups. But anyway, let's dive in. As I said, all this information is from Anne Campbell's book. So refer to that if you want a bit more detail on what I'm talking about. From childhood, girls usually prefer smaller friendship groups than boys. This usually looks like one or two intimate friendships, whereas boys tend to play in larger groups. Girls' friendships also are usually more exclusive, intense and intimate. And this intimacy usually looks like self-disclosure in friendships among women. So it's very common for women to confide private details of their life to their very close girlfriends. And I think we do this from quite an early age. Men do tend to self-disclose as well in their friendships. However, this self-disclosure usually includes less emotion. It usually includes less of the emotional impact of an experience compared to women's self-disclosure. And this definitely connects to men's mental health. As we probably all know, men's mental health is a very prominent discussion in today's society because unfortunately, due to the societal pressures and the world that we live in, it's very difficult for men to speak up about their negative emotions in their friendship groups. So they are just some brief differences between male versus female friendship groups to remember as we are going through the rest of the information. Now for the really interesting part, I think anyway, I'm going to now delve into basically the beginning of female friendships. We're going to look at some evolutionary psychology and explore how female friendships sort of formed and why they are so intimate and deep and emotional. During human evolution in a hunter-gatherer society, men would sustain alliances with other men and they discovered that one of the best ways to sustain peace and promote loyalty was to try and reduce male-to-male competition for female mates and they did this by exchanging women in marriage. 
So women were basically given as gifts or traded to other groups or families as a token of alliance or peace. So what was happening in these hunter-gatherer societies is that women were finding themselves cast out of their families, cast out of their homes that they've known for their whole life up until then into a brand new community with no family relatives to protect them. So this was basically the starting point or the foundation that led to such strong female friendships. The women of the new group that the girl that just got traded or gifted to basically become like the adopted sisters of the new woman of the group. This is likely because these women would try and recreate the benefits that living with their blood family used to give them. So if you think about it, there would be groups of women in these hunter-gatherer societies that had no blood relatives around them. So in order to ensure their own safety and ensure that they had support, they would group together and create a trusting friendship in order to try and recreate the benefits that living with their blood family used to give them. So these include trust and safety and support. A newly arrived woman would find it in her best interest to try and establish trust and the warmest relationship that she can with her new peers in order to avoid social isolation and aggression. And the nature of these women's lives in these hunter-gatherer societies provided a really great opportunity for friendships to be established. So the lives of these women included activities like foraging for food, And when they weren't doing that, they'd have an abundance of other tasks to do like cooking, laundry, pottery, whatever else they do in those early societies. And for many of these activities, women would perform them together close to home. And then these activities would be combined with looking after their children. So obviously, this is an excellent opportunity for women to become friends. They can kind of watch each other, see if each other is trustworthy and ultimately establish a friendship. As I touched on earlier, these groups of women that were essentially outcasted from their families had to try and recreate the benefits that living with their family used to give them. And one of those is safety. So one of the benefits of trying to establish a friendship with the new women of a group that a girl has just arrived to is security. Of course, living in a hunter-gatherer society, there were many threats to safety. However, one of those threats actually comes from within the group, which is men's violence towards the women. And at the time, these included the abduction, rape and killing of women and children. And of course, this is something that we all know is still prevalent in society today. Women that banded together and stayed in large groups had less chance of being hurt by the men of the group. From a predator's viewpoint, the easiest victim is someone on their own, whereas groups present a problem for the predator because the group is likely better able to detect potential danger and hint that an attack might be met with a defense. So if someone's in a group, a predator is less likely to attack them basically. It's through looking at these very early formations of female friendships that we can begin to understand why friendships among women feel so close, deep and trusting today. In early civilizations, women didn't really have any other choice but to band together and try and look after each other. 
they were facing threats from both outside and within their communities. So it really was their only option to create incredibly trusting relationships so that they could feel safe and protected among each other. Because again, they were without their families. They were in an environment completely new to them. So it really was in their best interest to befriend each other and create that deep emotional bond to feel safe. I think the way female friendships began definitely has influenced the way female friendships feel in the modern world. For me personally, in my close friendships with women, I really feel like we would do anything for each other. We always want the best for each other. We care so deeply about each other and we can become quite protective of each other as well. Obviously, in my life, there isn't any direct threats to my safety that I need to try and protect my friends from or protect myself from. But it's my opinion that I feel like the way women used to protect each other has kind of adapted to how we protect each other now from issues in romantic relationships. In today's society, close friendships with women and of course our families can provide a really good source of support and safety for women in relationships, specifically when a woman's partner might be trying to isolate them as a way to control them. Because when you have a really good close group of female friends around you, it's quite likely that they'd warn you about red flags in a partner. My friends have definitely done this for me. It's not always true that I listen to them, but friends do warn you when they don't like something about a partner or when they feel that something's off. So I think that's a modern example of how close female friendships try to protect each other and keep each other safe. So as I said before, Anne Campbell, the author of the book that I spoke about, actually suggests that women's friendships are an attempt to recreate a close bond of communion that mirrors the kind of relationship most often found among family relatives. And this leads us on to talking about communal relationships, which is a type of relationship and it's a type of relationship that is very common for close female friendships. A communal relationship is a very selfless interaction where friends or family feel mutual responsibility for each other's welfare and look after each other without expecting any benefits in return. So family relationships are usually communal. For example, a good mother does whatever she needs to do to look after her children without expecting anything in return. However, very close female friendships can also be described as communal relationships. And Campbell suggests that this is because of the family-like bond that characterizes many close friendships among women. As I've said, female friendships in these early communities were incredibly intimate, trusting and safe because they were trying to recreate the benefits that they used to experience from their blood relatives. They were trying to protect themselves, keep themselves and their children safe from threats that came from outside their community and within their community. So in that sense, female friendships really do become like a second family, which is why they become that very selfless communal relationship where you'll do anything for your friends and you don't expect anything in return. very close friendship among women is actually sacred and rare. In today's society, the unwavering trust, care and support that best friends provide to each other can take years to develop and sometimes doesn't extend further than one or two close friends. And what makes this type of unwavering friendship among women so sacred is because it's so commonly 
only experienced by women. Women are more likely than men to treat their very close friends as they would their family and that's likely because of the way these early societies were. We really do become a sisterhood with our closest female friends. So that's a bit of a evolutionary psychology viewpoint of why female friendships are so close and nurturing and emotional. I think it's so interesting to kind of reflect on how female friendships formed in very early human civilizations and to try and apply that to how female friendships look today. I can definitely understand how female friendships are so emotional and nurturing and how they really just have this safe energy about them when you look at how early female friendships were. I just really feel like the close relationships that I have with women in my life have this like crazy energy surrounding them. Like it's really difficult to explain, but I think a good way of explaining it is to tell you a little story. I think this was at the end of last year. I can't remember exactly, but I went to a women's circle, which is very spiritual. If you're not into spirituality, then you might think this is a bit woo-woo, but my friend Angela actually organizes these women's circles in Melbourne. Her Instagram is Angela the Alchemist. If you're interested in going to a women's circle, I would highly recommend it. It was so good and powerful. Basically what this was is it's a group of women. We all kind of met up at a yoga studio, all sat down in a circle and we just did all these different like bonding activities and really shared quite deep and emotional things with each other. And obviously there's like an intention that you set for the women's circle and usually it's happening around a specific lunar event like a full moon or a new moon or something like that. But I only knew Angela and my friend that I went with. And so all of the other women that were there were strangers to me. But the energy that just came over us, like, I don't know, it's just so powerful connecting with women. It literally feels like magic. Like, it's like a deep understanding and nurturing energy that we all have for each other. And I believe that that comes from our early, early societies. And I know I'm kind of going off track of evolutionary psychology here. I'm kind of taking it in a bit more spiritual direction. But I think, like, if you look at how early friendship among women formed it makes sense as to why they feel so powerful and why we really hold space for each other and want to nurture each other and keep each other safe because women as a whole have gone through immense amounts of pain and at the end of the day I think we just all want to protect each other. Now before we finish up I want to give you some tips on how to cultivate deeper friendships. Now these aren't really backed up by research. I kind of just thought about them and wrote them down. So these are my tips on how to create deeper friendships. First of all, I think it's really important to avoid only seeing your friends for nights out. And yes, it's really fun to have a good night out with your friends, but I think when you solely just go clubbing with your friends and you only see them when you're going clubbing and drinking, it makes it really hard to create a deep, meaningful relationship. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a club, there's literally so much going on. The music is so loud and I'm probably drunk. So I'm not really having meaningful conversations with my friends about what's going on in my life or what's going on in their life. So I think prioritizing seeing your friends outside of a club and when you're not drinking is really important. 
just so that you can actually have conversations, actually communicate on a deeper level and not just be, you know, drunk and getting rowdy and having fun. I think it's really fun to do activities where you can just talk to your friends and build a deeper connection. Like going on walks together is so good because you can literally just chat the whole time and you're being active, you're doing something fun. Like it's just, there's no pressure when, you know, you're doing something really chill like that with your friend. I think it's so wholesome and fun. Also, just going for dinner or breakfast or a coffee, that's always great. I feel like coffee is also a really great one if you're hanging out with a new friend or someone that you don't really know that well on a deeper level because it doesn't have to be like a really long date with them. Like you can just sit and have a coffee for half an hour, 40 minutes and then go. So that's good if you're trying to create a new friendship. Basically, whatever you like to do outside of a night out in your normal life, I feel like just doing that with your friends, inviting your friends along is so much fun and so rewarding and fulfilling. For me, it's really important to do things with my friends that don't always involve drinking and share really fulfilling experiences with them that don't involve partying or drinking. And for me, those memories that I have with my closest friends that don't involve drinking, like camping trips, beach days, hikes, anything like that, they are the memories that I hold the closest to me and that are the most special. So my next point is to remember what your friends tell you and actually ask them about it at a later date. For me, I find it so nice and I feel so cared for when I've told my friends about something going on in my life and they actually remember it and ask me about it later on. And when you do this, it just shows your friend that you genuinely care about them and you remember what they've told you and you care enough to ask them about them. It just shows genuine interest in their life and it helps you to create that really deeper communication and meaningful friendship. And my last tip kind of applies to deepening friendships that you might already have but are kind of shallow. So if you have a friend in a certain setting like maybe work or school or uni and you usually only see them in that specific setting, it's a good idea to ask them to hang out outside of that setting in order to create a deeper friendship. So to give you an example, I had plenty of friends at school that I only ever spoke to at school. I never hung out with them outside of school. And so when I left school, I never really spoke to them again. I follow them on social media, but I don't really speak to them. So if you want to actually create longer lasting, more meaningful friendships and you want a friendship to last when you leave a certain setting, like when you leave school or when you leave your current job, then I think it's important to put the effort in with the people that you work with or see at school to see them outside of that place. Because you know, when you're taking your friendship outside of school or outside of work, it's more likely that when you leave that setting that you've met this person in, you'll continue that friendship. It definitely reduces a lot of awkwardness. Like just say you left your job, but you had a friend there and it's been six months and you want to catch up. Maybe that would be a little bit awkward because you've never actually seen each other outside of work. So if you want to have a deeper connection with someone that you work with or someone that you go to school with, definitely bite the bullet and ask them to hang out outside of work or school. I think it'll be very worth your while. Okay, that is everything I wanted to cover for episode four. I really hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought about a more evolutionary viewpoint on human behavior. I think it was interesting. I know some people might find evolutionary psychology a little bit more questionable, 
are not as like I guess believable or set in stone as something like neuroscience but I think it's really interesting to talk about so hope you enjoy. Before I go I wanted to remind you to please give the podcast a star rating if you haven't already and there's actually an Instagram for this podcast which is love sex and psych and also a TikTok which is love sex and psych as well so Give me a follow on those if you want to see some more content surrounding the podcast. Yes, I will speak to you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.